Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFISFM. Well, Sharon, we are back and with miserable weather. It's and snowing out at my place. Yeah, and I just want to remind people, could be dicey roads, so please slow down and take it easy. Or stay away from me anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, Sharon Croy, I called her Qua. <laughs> and I said, well, Plain we could. Old uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, is with uh, Intersect, and it's across the street from the station and has been around for well, how many years now? Well, I found 1986 is the earliest number since we've been a society. So oh, okay. a long time. I'd say probably the longest ones in Prince George, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this uh, children's development, I think, is 68, oh, I think, okay. but yeah. they probably, he said they were in a, um, one of those school rooms, you know, the movable mm-hmm. ones. That's right, how portable. They started. Yeah, 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 portable. Yeah. yeah, I hear we started in a basement somewhere downtown here, too, so yeah, I wasn't yeah. around for that time. I was still in elementary school. Yeah, but. really. <laughs> yeah, But here you are, helping children, and, and your age is, is right up to 18, so there's... Yeah, that's, that's pretty. Zero to eighteen is uh-huh. our age group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, um, one of the things that I was thinking of when I was doing this interview was about when I was um, going to school and yeah. kids with uh, challenges were called bad kids. They had yeah. reform schools for the kids that acted out. Nobody mm-hmm. thought of them as having an issue. They were just bad. Yeah. And uh, and I had a friend who had a, a son who was really a lot of problem. And she had had German measles or something when she was pregnant that affected his development. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and so I feel kind of good that we've come... So far, I feel bad about mm-hmm. the kids that were, you know, um, they were punished for having a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and now we've come to a part where at least we can separate behavior from, well, some people can. Yeah, yeah. Or I think also, too, for what you're talking about, look at what's the organic reasons compared to environmental. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah. many different mm-hmm. reasons. Where before they were just considered to be bad. Yeah. And no consideration about what's going on at home mm-hmm. or if they have a brain injury or any, yeah. any kind of things. So I had the child development center on because I wanted to, uh, enlighten people, uh, who maybe don't have, um, children with issues or mm-hmm. maybe grandparents who are raising Mm-hmm. grandchildren who, from broken homes who are acting out and yeah. they don't know what the heck to do. Yeah. And so, um, 123, okay. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Intersect and, and uh, it started a long time ago and where it's come to from the basement to right. the old bank building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is a nice solid brick building, one of the few in town. Yeah, our you know our main core service that we provide is counseling for children and youth. So again, ages zero to eighteen. We also though have a new directions program, and and that's directly for kids who are involved in the justice system. So kids who are actively on probation, and we've had that service for several years as well. But Uh so those referrals come from our 
probation officer. Yeah. Um, and then we also have our, our school program downstairs as well. So in partnership with the school district, we've run a school downstairs. Mm-hmm. So all of those kids um, are actively receiving therapy from mm-hmm. one of our therapists. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really good partnership to support those kids who have whatever challenges in mainstream school mm-hmm. to support them and wrap around some services to alleviate those struggles with the bigger goal of them transitioning back to their regular schools, right? Some kids definitely graduate from our school program, though, and um, we had some, all of them actually got scholarships last year. We were so proud of them. We had about five kids, and we had a great little grad ceremony, yeah, and oh. so... Um, some of them are all at college now, and we're pretty proud of our graduating class uh, last year for sure. So are there certain years, or is it just sort of like specialized care for children who are in different grades? The school is grade 8 to 12. Yep. Oh, it so, is? Yeah, so grade oh. 8 to 12. So those numbers can fluctuate on how many kids are in which grade every year. Um, but the classroom fits. We typically have about 30 kids in the program. Uh, that is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really know that either till I started working there. <laughs> so, a, like, yeah. There's a school downstairs? What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know you existed. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why we bring you on, yeah. because there's people who don't need Definitely. your services yes. and don't realize what Prince George has to offer. Yeah, so those are all connected to something, but our regular um, counseling like for children and youth, that's completely voluntary. Okay. So anyone can call up and ask us kind of questions and book an intake appointment. And the intake isn't always necessarily about do you need intersect. The intake is about what do you need in our community and what's the best fit to support you, right? Mm-hmm. So I consider intake a whole other service we provide, which is some navigation, yeah. you know, some information, some support yeah, um, in that kind of a way. So we're always the right door. Yeah. Anyone can come in for an intake. Anyone yeah. can call for some information. That's great. Um, we're not always at the end of the intake the right fit, though. And so, you know, not everyone needs our level of service. Yes. So, but it's great to be able to say, you know what, this is the right spot for you and we can put those referrals in or give them the information or or whatever that looks like for that family and what they need at that time. And so would you be doing uh, children who have um, experienced uh, sexual abuse? We do have mm-hmm. children and that's... we offer service to children who've experienced sexual abuse, definitely. Yeah, because yeah, that's something I wasn't sure about either. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and of course, some of your children will be children who've witnessed violence or experienced definitely. violence. Yes, there's yeah. any number of things that trigger mm-hmm. um, need for mental health services. So mm-hmm. back to what we were saying in the beginning, compared to organic and environmental. Yeah. Some kids it is organic. That's just the way their brain is built and they're going to need right. support forever, right? For yeah. some kids, it's environmental. They've experienced some sort of trauma in their life yeah. and they need some support working through those. Yes. So, um, you, you know, you can't, obviously, we look at both of those in the same, right? You can't remove them from each other, but also acknowledging what that looks like for different people, right? Yeah, yeah. and to teach, because it makes me think of my nephew who, when he was seven or eight, um, was at his friend's place who had a swimming pool and mm-hmm. they were out there un, unsupervised and uh, his buddy uh, drowned. Yeah, what, a, uh, what and, an experience yeah, for a child. Hey? Yeah, and, and yeah. he tried to save him and he, he tried to get him out mm-hmm. and the, and then the thing that hurt him the worst was getting recognition and some kind of a medal 
you know, oh, from for his heroism. Yeah. Oh, and he couldn't acknowledge that as heroism in that time. He just saw the tragedy of it all. Yeah. It still affects him. Uh, of and, course it does. And, I, you know, I often think I have a lot of compassion for the, the people we see downtown. Uh-huh. Um, I used to run a homeless shelter before I had done this work before. And, and really I look at, you know, addiction as unresolved trauma from when we were kids. It is. That's where it comes from a lot of the time. So those yeah. are missed opportunities where um, someone... You know, any number of things could have happened and not getting the resources they needed as a child. They develop unhealthy coping mechanisms, which then, you know, snowballs on them. And by the time they realize it's a problem, it's out of control, right? Well, they take on the identity given to them by the mm-hmm. abuser yeah. that you're no good, you're worthless, you're yeah. a piece of this. And, and I don't deserve better than yeah, this. Like, yeah. yeah. And so... They don't ask for anything mm-hmm. because they don't expect until someone comes along and and uh, and says that's not who you are. That's what mm-hmm. was done to you. Yeah, totally. And it helped them to take mm-hmm. that off. Well, themselves. and I know even for my team, it was interesting because when I first started, I was trying. You know, we had a team building day, and we were talking about you know what what do we do here? What's our goal here? Right. Yeah. And they were really wanting. I was really wanting to say you know our goal is to make people's lives better, and they felt the ownership of that was. Yeah. Huge, like feeling responsible yeah, for that. And that's, yeah. that's not what you're not responsible for fixing everything. We're no. never going to. No. Right. No. So, you know, caregivers participating in the care is really important because we're there for an hour. Yes. They're there for all the others hours of the day. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we've really shifted in the last few years too of really providing support and counseling for the caregivers as well. Yes. You know, to make sure they're involved in knowing how to support, you know, the movement for the kiddos at home. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing about um, caregivers. Uh, they have to realize if they're a bank, mm-hmm. they got to make deposits. You yeah. just can't make withdrawals every day and every day. Yeah. Well, I'm just, you know, I always joke and say I got, I had a strong enough counselor to give me a smack when I tried dragging my son in when he was younger. And he said to me, you know, I think if you just keep coming back, you'll be fine. <laughs> It's like, oh, damn, right? It's me? Well, yeah, what do you mean? I, yeah, but it was, it was, he was right. Yeah. You know, it was my yeah. responses to my child. Yes. Um, it wasn't necessarily, he was being a regular kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my type A controlling personality, which makes me great as the boss, but it does struggle as yeah. a mom. I, uh, you know, needed a little bit of work. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough conversation to have, but we, we need to acknowledge that because, um, I think a lot of parents, I, I, you know, they are more aware of what's happening with their kids. Yeah. It almost kind of makes them scared. They yeah. kind of don't really know where and what. And so, you know, in response to that, we actually started a group um, a couple of years ago and hugely successful. And then in COVID, we tried to do it by Zoom. Didn't work. But it's called Parenting Through Strong Emotions. And the information is on our website if anyone's interested. It's for any caregivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and no one, you don't need to be a client to come to it. Um, it's open to the community. And we, we did that on purpose because you know, you know, you have prenatal when you're pregnant. And then after that, everyone's like, you're a pro. You're on your own. There's yeah, no parenting right. stuff out there Bye. anymore to, to help. No, what do I actually do to parent this kid, right? <laughs> you know, we get a lot of focus on, on how do we provide for them for the tangible things, like, you know, food and roof and stuff, but yep. not how to actually take care of their emotional needs and support them in growing and developing in that part of their lives, right? So we just ask for people to, um, you know, the information like I said, it's on our website, but we ask for them to come to session one because uh-huh. that kind of lays the foundation. And then it's 
great if they can do two, three, or four in a row. But yeah. I know my life, I, I can't do the same thing the same night of the week regularly. No. So um, it's also open that once you went to number one, if you can come to number two and then four and catch number two next time it comes yeah. around, you can do that as well. Yeah. So, um, and then if you can't make the group at all, there's a link also um, on the resources page of our website to some really great videos that really also help speak to that. So, um, and they're just about that, how to, how to listen so your kids will talk and yes. how to respond and that you can feel confident about it and not scared about what you're going to say, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I wonder if you do um, anything for older women who raise kids. Like I have a friend and she's 86 and mm-hmm. she's really dealing with some uh, regrets. Right. And I said, you can't, you couldn't change anything. We no. didn't have this information. No, we didn't know better. Yeah. yeah. And, and thank heavens yeah. we've moved on. But I think to myself, I wonder if a group for, um, women who have grandchildren now and great grandchildren mm-hmm. to sit and talk about the things they wish they hadn't done. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, because I think a lot of women, when they reach the age, you know, that uh, mm. Judy and I are my friend. You look back and say, oh, if only. Yeah. What yeah. if you had a group for a group of them that uh, could talk to each other? You, you know? know, I think there's so many different levels of need and support that could be needed all through the community. And I mean, yep. the challenge comes down to, again, resources. Yes. So, for us, I mean, we have 132 kids right now waiting for service. Really? Um, and that's normal. That's kind of the way it's always been. Wow. Um, we have quite a reputation in the community for long wait lists, um, which was true. Yeah. But we've done, um, you know, a lot of real improvements in the last couple of years. Just, you know. There's only through, so many of you. Well, yeah. There, and so now we've got it where, you know, I'm proud to say for the last three months, no one's waited over a year for service because that's not heard of. Yeah. However, the number is going to stay the same because that's so many people need us. Yes. So until I have bodies that can help provide service faster, you know, I'm confident that, you know, we're to... We can't do any more shortcuts and not still deliver a great product. And, the, you know, it's not a That's product, right. but it's a service, right? And well, so it's our future. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough to know. There's families that they do need us. And we completely agree. And the yeah. wait lists are totally unacceptable. Yeah. Totally agree. Right? Like, so, um, but at the same time, you know... I mean, we're all feeling, I think, the impacts of the world right now. And yes. so it's a real burden as a, you know, an employer trying to make sure your, your team is well taken care of yeah. and that they're okay too. Cause I'm very aware of the better I take care of them, the more that they can serve and take care of the families that, that we're yeah. service to provide, right? You know, I had the artist way done with all the staff. I didn't mm-hmm. participate, yeah. but I had someone come in and do that with them. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's important that that's kind of team building, but it's also self building too. Taking yeah. care of self. Yeah. And um, but the other thing is, uh, um, how much more um, children come in younger and younger that are addicted. To drugs, you know, we don't see the um, addiction component as much because one mm-hmm. of the challenges is we're voluntary. Oh, of course, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's a bit of a challenge for us. So, um, you know, 
parents can kind of drag their kids in kicking and screaming, but you know, by the time it yeah. comes up that we call to see if they want service, yeah. you know, yeah. the kid, so we don't see that as much. Yeah. Those kiddos are definitely serviced more through, and that's why I'm glad we have the extra resource. Foundry sees a lot more. Yes, the Foundry's great. That yeah. are, you know, suffering from addiction because they're there in yeah. the moment. Um, and we know the addiction is just medication, you know, yeah. to avoid yeah, their thoughts yeah. and feelings and whatever Bigger happened feelings, to them. for sure. And uh, the other part I was thinking about was, um, is there an increase? I don't think in, there's an increase in mental illness. I just think there's more awareness. Do you? Yeah, I think, well, I think there's both. I do think there's mm-hmm. an increase in mental illness. Okay. Think, you know, I think there's some um, pros and cons of the way the world's kind of changed. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, we know that screen time has a negative effect on development of children's brains. We yes. know kids are spending more time in front of screens yes. than they ever have before. Yeah. Um, we know parents are, one of those reasons is parents are exhausted, you yeah. know, so there wasn't, you, you know, the historical idea of having one parent at home to watch for kids that's not a reality anymore and it, i don't even know if it can be i mean look at the price of housing right now oh you, you know like yeah. you know being single the food yeah so 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 parents are working and then they're tired so i get it i was a single mom too if i found something to entertain my kid for a couple hours so i could relax i took it right yeah like yeah. i feel yeah, exactly. i feel for them so so there are um you know I think, yes, I think there's more awareness mm-hmm. about it. Um, but I also do think there's definitely some environmental factors that are happening. And this COVID world is something right now, too. Some yeah. people are flourishing in the isolation. Some kids yeah. like not having to go to school and deal with bullying all the yeah. time. That's working well for them, right? Yeah. Other yeah. kids, isolation and, and for the little ones, especially the um, shortage of developmental opportunities is, is harboring their ability to you know evolve and grow as little guys right so well daryl from cdc was saying about the mm-hmm. most important part is that first four or five years yeah yeah and, and so that's about when your brain is the most growing the most growing said, yeah and experiences yeah. is so important yeah. right and i mean we have really shannon they should be giving you more money and more room because i totally agree shannon because but i mean (laughs) if people really think about the future of the country it depends on what we do for the children it really does and so you know back to what we're talking about about the homeless population and um you know we're spending the money we're spending on the wrong end yes we are so it's gonna get spent anyway um but it's getting spent through you know shelters and addiction services and jails and, and stuff like that. Jails where, don't do anything. Um, Mike no. Morris said, by, uh, I said, talking to him about it one time, and he said, I wonder if we could turn a jail into a treatment center. Yeah, right. You know, and bring yeah. all the services in, and you've got them in there. And mm-hmm. and uh, but it's that early age. Mm-hmm. When, that where you and CDC and other services mm-hmm. for those little kids are really having the effect. Yeah, yeah. And yet you've got a waiting list, which really upsets me. Yeah. I mean, can we do a poll? Can we send out a, a letter to everybody to sign to support yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not opposed to that at all. Feel free to speak to your <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, Let uh, them know that we're drowning here. 
<laughs> well, I think we need to talk to you and come over yes. and see you. Feel free um, to talk to me too. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, we need Todd and everybody to get yeah, outside. Yeah, totally. Uh, they all have children. They very adult children. They have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they got to do something. Well, and you know, I think uh, you know. The heartbreaking discoveries around residential schools has also, though, really, I think, brought to light intergenerational trauma more yeah, and created yeah. more of a conversation around that. Yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, those misses of when people are younger than parents and caregivers and they didn't learn how to parent. How the heck are they supposed to figure out how are to parent, right? So yeah. how unfair is that to expect, you know, yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, to put it even down to sports. I mean, yeah. if no one ever taught me how to ski or throw me on some skis and expect me to find my way down the hill in a great yeah. way. Yeah, no, really. I'm going to tumble and I'm yeah, <laughs> break my knee. going to be painful and I might hurt a couple people on the way down. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I do Let's think real. that's yeah. when, you know, one of those pieces again about... Um, really needing to look at how are we supporting families to care for children when they're younger um, and how are we filling those gaps for for people who didn't just learn it throughout generations, right? We're going to have to take a break in a minute, but so I want to put the contact information. Um, You can call and your answering service is good. It gives you lots of directions. Mm-hmm. 250-562-6639. Yes. And our website's also really great. So yeah. feel free to check that out yeah. as well. Yeah. And so it's um, intersectbc.ca. Yeah. Uh, that's info at Intersect to, to get on or go on www.intersect. It's a really good website. I went through it last night and I, mm-hmm. and then you surprised me more. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that in my, my relationships with people in town, I'm going to start to do a little abdicating. I think it's important Thank you. what Thank you're you. doing yeah. and CDC is doing. And I think you're kind of like a hidden gem and people Thanks. need to know more about what's yeah. going on here. And We're that you have a class. You don't know about till you need us. I right? know. And then you know all about us. But yeah. you take donations and people can mm-hmm. become members and you're a yes. nonprofit organization. Yes. And you're doing a wonderful thing. Uh, people need to know more about you, mm-hmm. and uh, you're you're busy, so we have to try to shine a light on you. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> and my team, I have a phenomenal team yes. that works there, and so I'm just so thankful for them every day. Yeah, know. so we'll have to do this more often. Yeah, just to keep you in the light. Yes, thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming, <laughs> Shannon. Now we're going to take a, a short break, and then we're going to do a remember Bob Dore. We'll be right back. Do you like a good bluegrass song? Enjoying hearing music from the likes of Bill Monroe, Rhonda Vincent, and the Lakeside Ramblers? Then tune in to Back Porch Pickens Sunday evenings at 5 on 93.1 CFIS-FM for an hour of great bluegrass old and new. I'm Corey Walker, and I'm thrilled to take you on a musical journey each week as we explore the world of North American bluegrass. Catch Back Porch Pickens Sunday nights at 5 only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Theatre Northwest will be returning to the stage for the 2021-22 season with a play based on a women's hockey team from the 1930s. Glory by Tracy Power is the story of the Preston Rivulets, with several of the on-ice scenes set to swing music tunes from the era. It's a piece of Canadian history few are aware of. Glory is on stage at Theatre Northwest in the Park Hill Centre from February 4th to February 23rd, health orders permitting. Tickets for Glory, presented by Theatre Northwest, are now available through theaternorthwest.com. Standing up against racism is an ongoing battle. How will you help? 
everyone should be treated equally, and the legal system should work for the people, not against them. Every day, our network of supporters, lawyers, and educators from across the country continue to fight against injustice and oppression, both in and outside of the courtroom and at all levels of government. This message is brought to you by the Canadian Anti-Racism Youth Coalition. Visit caryc.ca for more information about how you can stand up and speak out. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, periods of rain. Wind from the south at 30K, gusting to 50, a high of 4. Cloudy with a 60% chance of showers early this evening. Clearing near midnight, a low of minus 1 with a wind from the minus 6. On Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south at 20 in the afternoon and a high of plus 6. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Seniors Community on 93.1 CFISFM. This is Senior Moments. And a rare occasion, I get to pop in and uh, chat a little bit with uh, with the senior moments people, uh, and and a bit of a shocker, we got a an email last week from a Lorraine Dory, uh, Bob Dory's widow. Uh, it's been three years. I didn't. I couldn't believe uh, it. it. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Uh, it seems like so much uh, has. Well, so much has happened in the last three years that it seems like ages ago that uh, Bob passed away. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, that three years tomorrow will mark the anniversary. Wow. And yeah, her email, she talked a lot about, uh, she mentioned a lot of the different things that Bob uh, did and liked and enjoyed. And I thought that's uh, what we would do today is just sort of share a little bit of that. Of course, uh Sharon, you were involved with Bob a lot with the Council of Seniors. Yeah, I was. And and with Lorraine's permission, had lunch with him once in a while. But I checked <laughs> it out with her that uh, that she wouldn't feel bad. But Bob and I uh, talked a lot about... Um, well, Bob and you talked about this radio station when you worked together at yeah. uh, Shoppers. Uh, no, London. London. Drugs, yeah. London. Yeah. Actually, I knew Bob before that. Uh, first uh, got to know Bob when he would visit uh, CompuTime computers quite regularly. He was uh, oh, right. one of the customers yeah. there. Yeah. And then we ended up working together at London Drugs. He was in the computer department. I was in the audio vid- video department. And uh, the one thing that I learned... Uh, more about Bob when I worked at London Drugs is, is his huge, uh, he's a huge music fan. Yes. It, it just l- like he would talk about the old groups, but also he, he was very much, uh, up to date with what was going on in the music scene at that time as well. Yeah. Because he just enjoyed music, period. Yeah. And he didn't, he wouldn't give you the impression of that he was a fan of the music that he played. You know, like he, he always had that serious outlook about yeah. him. He was tall, big, and ex RCMP, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, and he, yeah. uh, that's where he met Lorraine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she was a dispatcher or, or anyway, he took advantage of a cute little uh, Ottawa Valley girl. <laughs> <laughs> Got her to fall in love with him. Yeah, or yeah. worked and, out for them. Yeah, and, and, and that the, the show that he hosted was before the Beatles. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of unfair for him in that it kind of pegged him in a certain era of music where his, his as you mentioned, his, the music that he loved was 
you know, the Beatles and beyond. Yes. Right? Yeah, he, he did. He, yeah. He, he enjoyed the early stuff, but he also enjoyed the stuff through the 60s and the 70s. And uh, it, the other thing is, uh, being from Montreal, mm -hmm. is he often brought uh, his history as yeah. a teenager falling in love with music and the different groups that would play in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd be right. It's like being living outside of Toronto. You had the advantage of, of attending so many different things. And he was younger than me, though. Uh, and he would remind me of that. On a regular basis. <laughs> yes. He used to really tick me off, you know. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was an awesome fellow. He did not care for fiddle music, but he took pictures at one of the, uh, events here in town and it was fiddle music that he was doing pictures of. And he was actually impressed with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me because he had said that he didn't care for fiddle music. But well, that well, was another of his passions was photography. Yes, And yes. that actually combined with his love of music uh, pretty much yearly. He would be uh, one of the volunteers to photograph, take pho yes. uh, photographs of the Cold Snap Music Festival. Yeah, but I told That's him he what did. It was. I told him he did that so he could get in for free. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he he knew that was the way in. So yeah, he did. well, good for him. <laughs> well, he but he was a good photographer, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I, I, um, I really like some of the Mavericks musics. That guy that the main singer sang such beautiful songs, and he said, "Oh, bring me in a CD and let me listen." And he didn't like them. Oh really? Oh, yeah. that's a little bit surprising. I know. Uh, some of the some of his favorites that he played on the uh, before the Beatles show uh, included uh, Bill Haley. He really enjoyed Bill Haley yeah. and the Comets, yeah. and another group, uh, Johnny and the Hurricanes, yeah. and uh, the Mavericks, which you just mentioned, mm. uh, very much a throwback. So a little bit surprising that. Yeah, he, I, perhaps I he didn't like the the twanginess of of their take <laughs> on it, but. Well, they were very, um, the main singer was very similar to Elvis. You know, he had a beautiful voice. Yeah, somewhat, yeah. I was listening to him the other day. Uh, the other thing about um, Bob was he was opinionated, and I didn't like his humor. <laughs> well, he was, he, was, he was opinionated, but he was open enough that if you had a, a valid point, he would, you know, he he would... Accept that. Oh, yeah. He yeah. wouldn't get upset with you if you disagreed with him. So that was kind of nice. No, he always, if if there was something that went on between us, he would say, oh, that's our guest, I guess. Um, he would say, uh, Sharon, I don't want to upset you. Uh, let's talk this over. Yeah. And he, he would always try to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he was very open, very honest. Um, but he had he, his humor was that um, from dry. that era. Well, it was from that era. No, it was like like anti woman. His humor. Well, and, and I, I think he enjoyed uh, poking me. Yeah, yeah getting, <laughs> getting you riled up, and and a lot of times that is the case because he he definitely was not uh, that kind of an individual who uh, treated women poorly. Well, I don't know. Talk to Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that, that you guys were uh, were able to 
uh, worked together so well oh, yeah, in the we Council did. of Seniors and on yeah. the show and all this stuff. You know, so I think his humor was more of uh, it was a poke. Yeah, yeah sort of giving you a hard <laughs> time that? all the time. Lenny, Lenny, what was the guy that played the fiddle and said, "Take my wife." Please, uh, Henny Henny Youngman. Henny, yeah, yeah. That, and I said that's not funny. <laughs> oh, I think it's funny, says Bob. And I said, well, I think it's rude. And we yes. were on the air when we were doing this well, too. <laughs> should also I have to mention, agree with him. It was funny. <laughs> should also mention something that Lorraine uh, put in her email that I I, I didn't realize, but uh, Bob and I, I think you were part of him getting involved with this. Uh, really, a, uh, he loved being out with the with the horses. Oh yes, the uh, he actually went and learned how to ride a yeah. horse. Yeah, yep. and it was a great big horse. It was a female, and he talked about how beautiful her eyelashes were. Mm. And I can't remember her name, but I thought it was so. Uh, wonderful that he wanted to do this. And that was and, later and in years. Yeah. yeah. He was, he, he was not a young man when he did it. And I think, um, Lorraine took up that, uh, geo, uh, finding. Geocaching? Yeah. 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 She took that up and, yeah, yeah. and he started riding. And, uh, I thought it was great. You know, like the last time I got a, on a horse was not that long ago. And I got cramps in both my hips. I had to lay back across the saddle, and my feet were on either side of the horse's ears. And it was the first time I was on that horse, and he didn't move. <laughs> you were lucky. And and it was the same size of a horse as Bob was on. Mm-hmm. You know, a great, big, huge monster. Yeah, I was lucky. And I think about Bob at that age, you know, getting on, and we have all the creaks and the, the yeah. arthritis and everything, and he didn't let that stop him. Yeah, I don't think my hips would let me get on a horse today. Anyway, Remember we, his dog? He loved his dog oh, so yeah, much. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Uh, we should wrap this up with at least one song. Oh, yes. And, and this is uh, how Bob sort of got around uh, the uh, restrictions of before the Beatles. Is he, <laughs> he grew up in uh, in Montreal, and one of the one of the groups that he really loved that really. Uh, he first experienced before the Beatles, but really they were big after the Beatles, a group called the Staccatos. And so we'll play uh, the Staccatos and Half Past Midnight for Bob Dory, remembering his passing three years ago tomorrow.
staccatos in half past midnight for our old friend Bob Dory, who passed away three years ago tomorrow. Engage Sport North, in partnership with iSpark, is running an Aboriginal coaching module Sunday, October 24th. The module's goal is to make the wisdom of Aboriginal culture available to both Aboriginal and mainstream sport. Registration and full details are available through the events link at iSpark.ca. It's a professional development training tool for Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal coaches who coach Aboriginal athletes. An Aboriginal coaching module, Sunday, October 24th from 9 to 5 at the Northern Sports Centre. The NRESI colloquiums are back with in-person attendance. The next colloquium is Friday at 3.30 with Dr. Dominic Della Sala, Chief Scientist with Wild Heritage at Oregon's Earth Island Institute. Dr. Della Sala will address the question, is ecosystem collapse imminent for the inland temperate rainforest of B.C.? That's the next NRESI colloquium featuring Dr. Dominic De Sala from the Wild Heritage at Oregon's Earth Island Institute, 3.30 Friday in room 8-164 at UNBC. The City of Prince George is once again providing residents with an opportunity to provide feedback about the budget allocation for various city services and functions. It's also your opportunity to enter your property assessment into the Interactive Budget Simulator to see how your taxes are allocated. The survey's results will be presented for Council's consideration at the start of 2022 budget deliberations. The survey is available through the City's website at princegeorge.ca. Submission deadline is October 29th. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, periods of rain. Wind from the south at 30K, gusting to 50, a high of 4. Cloudy with a 60% chance of showers early this evening. Clearing near midnight, a low of minus 1 with a wind from the minus 6. On Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south at 20 in the afternoon and a high of plus 6. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Seniors Community. When you live at Riverbend, you will feel right at home. Well, Sharon, we're back again, and our next guest is on the line. Our next guest is Shannon Freeman, Dr. Shannon Freeman. Uh, Hello, Shannon. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for waiting. Uh, we had just done a little remembrance for uh, our co-host, uh, Bob Dory, and uh, and then played one of his favorite songs. Uh, we had so much fun with him, and he and I, we um, really knocked heads once in a while, but he <laughs> poked me on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember coming down to the station and uh, chatting with both of you a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been three years, hey? Oh my goodness! Now, Shannon, you're really involved with a very interesting uh, research project, and and it's I when I went online and checked everything out, you're right, you're across Canada more or less at un- different universities. Yeah, so so we have a project called the Dice Project, yes, which is dementia inclusive choices for exercise. Yes, and it's a national team from Nova Scotia to Kitimat. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, because dementia doesn't stop in in uh, BC. No, nope, it certainly does not. <laughs> and so I was looking at the people that you have and. Um, I think you've got Dalhousie, um, you've got uh, UNBC, and uh, and then 
what the heck's the other one? Water. The University of Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah, I was going to say Waterford. Waterloo. That's quite a good university too. I've I've known people from here to go there before we had our are you in BC? Yeah. Yeah. And so from UMBC, there's yourself. Um, we have um, a neurologist from UMBC as well. Uh, oh, Palacci. Yeah, so we have quite a team here that's co-led by Dr. Chelsea Peltier and myself on the on the UNBC side. Right. And we lead the northern and rural component of this national project, yeah. led uh, by kinesiologists out of the University of Waterloo, Dr. Laura Middleton and her team. Now, what is kinesiology? So kines- there are kinesiologists really look at physical activity and exercise uh, movement. Yeah, um, and so that's why this project project focuses specifically on exercise programs. Um, and then Chelsea uh, Pelche is an exercise physiologist from the School of Health Sciences here at UNBC. Wonderful, and and the idea is um, movement helps the brain. Yes, so for persons with dementia, as as for all. Um, persons who are aging, physical activity and exercise is quite an important component of healthy living. Um, and so the goal of our project was to create tools and resources for exercise providers to be more inclusive of persons with dementia so that um, if you have dementia, you can still remain physically active and engaged in community exercise uh, programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... Yeah, I was just thinking about how, um, you know, back in the day, in the 40s and the 50s, there was no wheelchair accessibility anywhere. And we've moved in now where that people are working in wheelchairs and mares in wheelchairs. And uh, dementia was something that was hidden. And uh, people were locked up in Riverview and Essendale and Crease Clinic. And uh, I'm, I'm sure they had exercise. But I don't think we really looked at dementia the way we're looking at it now. Yeah, we've made lots of great improvements um, with our understanding of dementia, and um, yet we still have so far to come. So this project helped create some of those tools to raise awareness mm-hmm. and understanding of um, what it's like to live and age with with dementia, and how, what are some simple things that can be done to um, help them be able to engage and continue to engage um, as they progress in their journey with dementia in physical activity um, and exercise. So, so this is for training for the people who who give exercise. So on our website, which everybody can access, which is DementiaExercise.com, we have a range of resources specifically for exercise providers. And then we also have a range of resources for persons living with dementia and their caregivers as well. Oh. So there's, there's lots of different resources there. And so in speaking to someone with dementia, I, this is part of the training, I think, is very important about uh, inclusion. Yes, and so our team involved people with who were living with dementia and caregivers who were helping to provide care um, for their loved ones living with dementia. And so they were really vocal about what kind of messages they want to share out and what do they want other people to know 
about what it's like to live um, and age or to care for someone who is living with with dementia. Mm-hmm. So in the, the key messages for people living with dementia, as well as their family and friends, um, there's some basic things about understanding um, dementia, and then there's some handouts that they can use um, that the persons with dementia, they, 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 they suggest it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of them are a communication tools. So how can they communicate um, and what kind of information do they want to communicate to their exercise providers that's about living um, with dementia? So there's, there's lots of re- resources there, as well as some things about, you know, the rights of people living with dementia, mm-hmm. you know, that they have the right to participate as active members in their community, mm-hmm. and they have the right to choose where, when, and how they wish to be involved and engaged. And so there's lots of those, those resources um, on, the, on the website as well. Yes, when I was reading that, I was thinking about the Paralympics and how that section of the world was ignored uh, and not allowed to participate in, in Olympics. And, and and I was thinking about how if you weren't, if you didn't have all ten fingers and toes and everything and um, all perfect in body, then you were shoved aside somewhere in a closet or ignored or, and the same thing would have happened with the dementia people. Like, why do we want to have them in our class? And, uh, I think that this is such a wonderful opening for people because I had an aunt that had dementia and it just broke my heart to see her with this. And the p- people talked to her like she was a child. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times, many people don't understand what it's like to experience dementia. Um, on our website, there's a wonderful video mm-hmm. um, that that's called "Staying Active Helps Me Live Well with Dementia," and and that video is created by and with um, persons who are living with dementia, sharing their stories about what they want other people to know mm-hmm. about the, the value they see in, in being in being engaged in physical exercise and activity. Mm-hmm. And I think when we think about those benefits, we can think about the traditional ones, you know, balance, mm-hmm. mobility, aerobic fitness. It, it's easy to think of those. But there's also so many social benefits mm-hmm. from being involved in, in remaining physical, physically active. Yeah. and being part of your community and, and, and being part of an inclusive community. And so these tools are meant to really help um, people in our community um, do, do exactly that and, and be able to adjust and adapt and understand persons with dementia and their needs specific to the physical activity and exercise context. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I guess when you experience it personally, then it becomes important. Um, that there are, I mean, my aunt was in a good place and stuff, but the kids, come along, dear, now you're, you're going to be all right. And, and my aunt didn't even know where she was. And I, I think that, uh, she was an adult, but I suppose she disappeared at times, not all the time. And I think those are the awareness things that you need to be, uh, cognizant of, you know, there's times when they come into reality. And it's important when we're thinking about, you know, being inclusive and, 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 and meeting um, the needs of persons living with dementia, that we meet them where they are at, at mm-hmm. that time, in that place, on that day. Yes. And that's why, you know, having more tools in your toolbox, the more you can understand about the, how those journeys um, can change over time and be very different day to day, Yes. the more you can understand, the more you can, you can be more responsive and inclusive. 
um, and be able to adapt to those needs because they can change from from one week to the next and they can go different directions as well. Mm -hmm. So that really was our motivation to build that awareness and understanding um, and then also provide some extra tools for exercise providers to have in their toolbox. Yeah, don't be disappointed when Aunt Audrey isn't the same person when you go to see her the next day. You know, don't don't expect uh, um, her to be that person, and uh, be flexible. and And your expectations need to be um, their expectations. Yeah, most definitely. And there's another really nice video on our website that's called "I Have Dementia, But I'm Still Me." And remembering that Uh, the person is is still them, and the disease doesn't define them. It is a characteristic. It is something that they live with, but they are still them. They are still an individual. They are still uh, a person, and they still have great value. Yeah. And so now uh, you've got neurology, um, a neurologist, and that's our neurologist. That's Chelsea. And, uh, And then kinesthetic... Um, and you have people on on the, the living with a person with dementia as well. Yeah, so we did a lot of widespread consultation all across the country, and we talked to persons living with dementia. We talked to their caregivers. We talked to community exercise providers, allied health providers, to understand what are their needs, what is their knowledge, what's their gaps. And then we used all of that information that we learned from them to to create and design um, all of the resources that are freely available on our website. And so we brought in, you know, we, we, we interviewed people from Kitimat mm-hmm. all the way to Prince George in the north here to really understand what what are those northern yes. um, characteristics. And, you know, what, what, are the, what are the great resources and things that we have here? And then what are some of the gaps and challenges we have here to be keeping people with dementia active and engaged and included in our, in our rural and northern communities here? And so Chelsea is our exercise physiologist and our neurologist in the north who was involved in the in the in the project was um, Jackie Pedersen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And I I mean I'm just amazed at the the um the people who are involved in this, how many people. And that makes me feel so good that there's so many people interested in uh dementia and changing the way um we see dementia and uh, and being inclusive and not it's like how everybody is afraid of someone with schizophrenia until you learn what schizophrenia is education is very important and not to uh, you know have that uh, feeling like i don't know what to do for this person learn go on the website and and uh, um and is there like a an assessment that I suppose that wouldn't be part of this program. Uh, the assessment would be um, with a doctor or, or a neurologist for yes. dementia. So our website is more on resources that persons living with dementia can use. Yeah. Or at, and it's also training modules for the exercise providers. So right. those educational resources for them to learn and understand more. Yes. And what's super interesting is that we started this program focused on exercise and promoting inclusive inclusivity and accessibility to exercise and physical activity for persons with dementia. Mm-hmm. But we know that to, that, that living well 
um, mm-hmm. as we age is more than just remaining physically active. Mm-hmm. So now our team is actually working on um, creating uh, resources and training um, modules for also for nutrition and also oh. for more holistic well-being. Okay. Um, so where the project is is, is growing to, to take a more whole person approach to looking at living well with with dementia. Yeah, you know, the PBS station has so many interesting programs on there and and one of them is about food and health and another one was about the brain and uh, eating eating right for your brain and you know, the things that we didn't we weren't taught anything like that at home economics. <laughs> you know, our, our 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 ancestors knew what to eat to stay healthy and then we got into sugar and and you know I think it's so important that there are certain foods that do help you um, stay healthy as we we know yeah for sure and so I think we've learned a lot more about um, dementia and about uh, factors that affect um, progression of dementia over time and I think the more that we've learned about it um, the more we're able to create more community and widespread awareness of what those factors are mm-hmm. and what, what individuals can actually do. And we know that um, the research is out there very strongly to su- suggest the benefits of remaining physically active and engaging in exercise. You know, the the recommendations for physical activity for persons living with dementia are the same as all adults. Mm-hmm. It includes moderate to vigorous aerobic physical activity strength mm-hmm. training, activities for balance, light intensity movements um, throughout the day. And I think sometimes we forget that, that just because you have dementia doesn't mean that you, you, you shouldn't remain physically active. Indeed, very much you can, you can, you can receive the same benefits um, as persons who are, who, are, who are living and aging without dementia. And so just putting, putting that, that, that note home about, you know, any amount of physical activity can be really beneficial. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a wonderful project and I'm really excited about it. Um, I think about the North and that you're reaching up there. You know, we have the health bus and I, I think about that and then I think, Oh my gosh, there's regions that are, are so far from everything, but you've, they can go on the website and, and look at the videos. That's right. There's a lot of, there, there are videos, there's things that you can download, there's um, handouts and information, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of wonderful things to help persons who are living with dementia and their caregivers, mm-hmm. um, you know, remain and, and, and consider how to keep engaged and physically active. Yeah, and, and you can adjust those things to the culture because, um, you know, dancing and movement is in everybody's culture. And so it doesn't have to be specific. That's right. And especially when we think about altering altering the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of things we can do to alter the environment to really, you know, level the playing field and make things more accessible for persons with dementia to actively participate in exercises. So some concrete things people can think about is, you know, reducing other noise distractions. Yes. Having clear signs, removing mats removing carpets, for example, simple things to alter the environment to make it easier for the person with dementia to participate um, in exercise programming. And then we can also think about how we are providing exercise and we are um, 
in, in engaging in communication with persons with dementia. Mm-hmm. So thinking about, you know, simple or clearer communication. Yes. One step at a time. You know, repetitive yeah. repetitive things with less steps. Yeah. You know, thinking yeah. about demons, how, how people, you demonstrate something or you give feedback and just being more in tune with the person who's living with dementia about what they can um, what they can understand, you know, simple, simpler is, is simpler communication is easier. Yeah. Um, to, and I mean, it's easier for all of us yeah. to be truthful, you know, yeah. so some of these things, you know, may not only make exercise more inclusive for persons living with dementia, but make it more inclusive for, for everyone. Yeah. Like it says on your website, exercise benefits, physical, mental, social well-being, uh, for people living with dementia, but it also benefits me. You know, if, for me to do the same thing. And like you say, it, it doesn't change just because you've got dementia. Uh, you can still do the same things. Um, it's, um, yeah, yeah, that really, it just, it crosses over perfectly. But what you're saying is take the things off the walls and off the floors that would be distracting or tripping or things like that. Yeah, and, and noise reduction is a big one. You yeah, know, because that can be, be quite distracting. Yeah. You know, so, so finding, finding a more peaceful, peaceful environment, altering that environment. Um, you know, and I think when I think about our northern communities, you know, getting out in nature yes. is a big one. Yes. Going for a walk in the woods, walking your, walking your dog, going for a walk with a friend. Those are important, yes. meaningful activities to connect people to nature, connect people to their land. Yeah. Connect them to their community. There's so many benefits when we think about um, getting getting out there and getting active. Yeah, COVID has given everybody a reason not to do anything. <laughs> I it think certainly we... it certainly has challenged people to remain yes. actively engaged yes. very much, and especially for persons who are living with dementia. Yes, um, because the, the 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 rules and the guidelines for COVID change change so often it can be quite confusing. Confusing, yeah. So when we think about what what are simple things you can do, you know, mm-hmm. COVID did not change the ability to walk your dog down the street. Yeah, that's what made me think of it. Yes, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, you can still do that. Yeah. Well, I really am um, excited. I'm glad that you're expanding it because I think that there's more and more and more to learn about uh, helping people with dementia and helping those of us that are aging um, maybe to um, keep from falling into dementia by eating and uh, exercising and being social. Well, it looks like it's time to go. Shannon Freeman, Dr. Shannon Freeman, I really appreciate this time you've given us. This has been very, very interesting. Thank you so much for having me today. And just a reminder for everyone to check out our website, DementiaExercise.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the day. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This is CFISFM uh, Senior Moments. Uh, we're going to say goodbye now and uh, goodbye to uh, Bob in memory of Bob, Dory. Yep. And hello to Lorraine. We love you and we miss you. 
Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hearn with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Golf Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at CFISFM.ca. You're listening to CFISFM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1 on the FM dial. CFISFM is owned and operated by the Prince George Community Radio Society.